You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Visionaries, I've been scheming something new for you with my friend and professional mindset coach, Emily Elliott. It's called Your 2023 Leap, and it is a highly anticipated program created by myself, a marketing coach, and Emily Elliott, a professional mindset coach. Your 2023 Leap is the most practical and effective way to change the way you do business and life in 2023 and beyond. This is a program where you'll get tools every single week that are literally going to change how you interact with this world and how you earn in this world. Combined, Emily and I have worked with thousands of women, and now you can get 12 weeks of access to us alongside a group of peers for a very, very low cost. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But don't sign up yet. First, I want to ensure that you're ready for what's to come. So I want to make sure you're ready to actually master your entrepreneurial mindset. You're not going to be someone who is okay with the status quo, okay making what you used to make in your corporate job. I want to make sure you're ready to implement marketing strategies too that are going to connect you with the growth and the unlimited clients you're looking for in just 90 days. I also want to make sure you're ready to take big leaps in your personal goals. So we know that as we grow personally, we also grow professionally. So if you're experiencing a block, maybe it's because of how you grew up or something that's been downloaded onto you, it is affecting your capacity to grow your business. So we're gonna teach you science-backed techniques to undo the blocks, break through them, and then apply the right techniques to actually see your business soar. I wanna make sure you're ready to use social media to convert clients, to build simple sales funnels. No complication here, that's not my vibe. I'm gonna teach you how to use Google and SEO, which is going to be your long-term strategy for getting more clients and patients and people into your business. And you also need to be ready to be surrounded by a group of people who have a fire under their butt, who are ready to 2x, 5x, or 10x their success, their confidence, and their client bookings in 2023. If you don't like being around people who are kicking ass and winning in life, this group is not for you. (laughs) So if you join your 2023 leap, and if you're ready to join right now, go to kelseyridle.com slash 2023, but you're going to save time. You're going to equip yourself essentially with a million dollar mindset and marketing strategies to get yourself to your version of success in limited time. So we're saving you time when you join this program. You're going to save money because normally if you were to hire both Emily and I, so Emily as your mindset coach, me as your marketing consultant, we would charge you more than (laughs) $12,000. So it's not affordable for a lot of people at their stage of business. 
However, you can join your 2023 leap for less than $3,000. And we even have payment plans to make it super accessible so that you'll earn the money back in the course. And we're going to save you energy because group momentum is real. I've been part of so many great group coaching programs and you're among expanders. So you show up to the weekly call Everybody shares their wins, their successes, and of course there's time to share challenges and then we work through it and then the wheel starts rolling really fast because you hear that Sarah just had her first 10K month. You hear that Kristen has grown her practice by 36%. You hear that Taryn just tripled her application rate. It's insane and you're going to go out and chase that too. So don't wait a minute longer. Your 2023 leap is for 20 individuals who want to access the tools and the techniques they need to reach their 2023 goals in business. We're going to be meeting on Zoom one time weekly for 90 minutes for 12 consecutive weeks and there's constant support in between. So you have access to Emily and I for 90 days. You could literally message us every day over the 90 days and get full access, squeeze that value of $12,000 out. We are so excited. This is going to be game changing and you can learn more and sign up at kelseyridle.com slash 2023. Our final cohort of the year starts on Wednesday, September 13th. We're about half full already, so don't sleep on it. Head to kelseyridle.com slash 2023. Link is in the show notes and apply for a free discovery call. Hey, visionaries, welcome back to the show. This week, I am sitting down with Emily O'Brien, and she's the founder of Comeback Snacks. This story is kind of insane. So Emily, as she's going to recount, was running a social media agency, was into drugs and and just doing what any young 20-some would do living in downtown Toronto, having fun, experimenting. And she met someone and they went to St. Lucia together. And three days into the trip, everything changed. So she ended up going off-site to a place where there was tons of drugs and the person or the man she was there with said, we are bringing cocaine home and you're going to smuggle this. And much as she wanted to fight it, she knew that her only way to get home was to say yes. So she does it. She has these custom-made bike shorts on. She's got two kilograms of cocaine strapped to her legs and butt and I don't know where else. The drugs hide Um, and she gets stopped and questioned and she admits that she has drugs on her as they're about to strip her down and search her. Yeah, crazy, right? She's on house arrest for the next couple of years. She ends up in federal prison and from prison, she actually gets the idea to start a popcorn company. She decides not to let her story define her, not to let the narrative that she's living be her forever, and she decides to own her truth and actually start a successful social enterprise based on her journey. So Emily got really inspired to experiment with different popcorn flavors in prison. She started reaching out to prominent news outlets from prison. She found a business partner from prison. (laughs) She got media attention from prison. And here she is today running Comeback Snacks, and they sell in pretty much all major retailers. They're selling at the airport. They are selling at trade shows and events. And to think about turning such a negative situation into something positive 
is pretty insane. So Emily was a little bit nervous when we were recording this. She doesn't do tons and tons of media. Um, so bear with her as she recounts her story. I do think it's one worth listening and just the best reminder to always try to glean the hope or the good or what you can take away from a bad situation and ultimately owning your story and moving forward with whatever life has handed you, with whatever cards you have dealt. So in this episode, we talk about the trip to St. Lucia. We talk about um, how she started building a business from prison, uh, the struggles and the early milestones that she's had. And overall, this is just a really badass conversation. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to leave a major plug here to anybody who is also dreaming up, whether it's a popcorn business, whether you're dreaming of launching an online course in the mental health space, whether you want to finally (laughs) take action and launch your coaching or your consulting offer, we have a brand new cohort of Your 2023 Leap coming up. And it starts September 13th. And by the end of this course, you are going to have busted through every single limiting belief that would hold you back. Just like Emily O'Brien in this episode could have said that after being in federal prison, there's no way I can become a successful entrepreneur. Like we're going to help you rewrite your story. My business partner, Emily Elliott, is the mindset coach in this 90-day program. And then we're going to also help you craft your offer, price it, develop your very first landing page or website and figure out the social media, digital marketing, SEO, and the strategies that are going to bring the clients into your lap. If you want, you can just email me hello at kelseyridle.com. Just say the word leap and I will respond or DM me on Instagram, or you can head to kelseyridle.com slash 2023. We just wrapped up one of our uh, cohorts and we got messages saying that was the best spend of money ever. Truly, truly incredible to hear people who have gone through 12 weeks and feel like it was worth every penny. So super grateful to all of our leapers. Next cohort starts September 13th. We've got birth doulas inside. We've got online course creators inside. We have Reiki masters inside. This is not something you want to miss out on, and if you message me ASAP, I can slip you a little discount code, so you're going to get it uh, for much cheaper than $3,000. So anyways, that's it. Let's get into the story of Comeback Snacks, shall we? It's pretty interesting. I think you're going to love it, and here we go. Emily, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I had put out a call for amazing guests to be featured on season 12. And I had somebody who said, you need to listen to the story of Comeback Snacks. So naturally, I went over to Spotify. I basically binged every podcast you've ever been on before. And I thought, how have I not heard about this amazing Canadian entrepreneurship story? So we're going to extract it all from you today. Thank you so much for being here. No, and thank you for having me. You know, I always love sharing it and sharing it with as many people as I can uh, to help, you know, promote, promote the mission and, and help people. Amazing. And, you know, you've probably shared this story many times, but I think it's worth going back to a very catalytic moment in your journey. You were living in Toronto. It was about 2015. 
had started your own social media agency and you left on a trip to Cuba with your then boyfriend. So I, I think this is a great spot to kick off because <laughs> that really sent you on the journey that you're on today. So could you just share a little bit about what happened on that trip and give the listeners some context before we get into comeback snacks? Actually, it was great for the first three days. This, I went with someone that I had known for eight or nine months. We'd done some business together. There was a big element of trust there because I had struggled with substances. I had struggled exceptionally with substances during that time. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not going to say I never drank in my life or, you know, didn't do drugs before that time. So it was 2015 and I was living in Toronto. I was going through a very difficult period with my family, but I met someone through my work who wanted to bring me on a trip. And this wasn't someone that I had just met. It was someone who I established a lot of trust with. We'd done some business together. And because I was using substances at the time to cope, I trusted him even more because he was allegedly sober. And so he brought me on this trip and, you know, we can all say, oh, like, you know, you're traveling with someone you barely knew or like, oh, you didn't book your own plane ticket. But we all have gone on trips with people that we trust. And so I went with him and we went to St. Lucia and the third day in, it was an all-inclusive resort. The first three days were great. And on the third day in, I was about to go down to the pool. And then he told me, well, we're actually not going to go to the pool today. We're here to work. Did you think this is all fun and games? And 45 minutes later, I was sitting in a house that had copious amounts of drugs in the walls and was told that in order to go home, I had to bring these back to Canada with me. So you basically are like, okay, so this is something that I'm going to do, obviously Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit of fear. Do you go through with it? Are you having hesitations? And then what unfolds from there? I was actually on the Wednesday. So this is on the Wednesday. I thought it was kind of a joke. I thought there's no way that this is happening. Um, I'd done tons of traveling prior to that. I worked for a like a, my grad, my degree was from Guelph in international development. And so I traveled with that. I went on volunteer trips. I would never even imagine this moment happening in my life ever. And, but I also didn't know that world other than that it was very scary. And I didn't know anyone else there but him. And so I just wanted to go home. And because he had booked the tickets, he said they already had all of my information. And so whether it was true or not, I just wanted to go home. And I like fought tooth and nail with him. I just wanted to go home. And I, I knew that the safest way out was was just to go along with it or try to so I could go home. Mm-hmm. And we left on the Friday. I had two kilograms of cocaine strapped to my body in a form of bike shorts. And so did he. And we landed at Pearson Airport. And obviously I was very bad at this. Not good at it. Body language is the loudest language in the room. And after being questioned for about 10 to 15 minutes, the final question was, okay, Miss O'Brien, we're going to do a physical search on you. But we have to ask, are there any drugs on you right now? And I looked at the floor for what seemed like an hour. And I just looked at the CBSA officer right in the face and said, yes. So then I got arrested. What did you feel in that moment? Like, did you feel like life was over? Did you feel like, okay, I, I can just like admit to it and I'll be let off the hook. Like, do you remember what that feeling was when you admitted to having two kilograms of cocaine strapped to you? Yeah, because I didn't know like the consequences because I didn't research this because I didn't know (laughs) it was going to happen. I just felt safe, to be honest. Like I didn't know I was going to potentially be going to prison, any of those things. It wasn't like, oh, I need to plan this drug smuggling trip. No, it wasn't like that at all. Um, So at that moment that I got arrested, I felt safe Mm -hmm. and 
what did the next couple of years look like for you? Did they arrest you right away and take you into federal prison or did you have to await trial? What happened after that? So I was arrested right on site at Pearson Airport. And then, you know, we see on in TV and movies, oh, like, let me just call my friend, uh, they'll bail me out. But this kind of infraction was very serious. So I was taken to a local jail where only my parents could bail me out or someone that would be what's called an assurity for you. So while the case is going through the court, they take full responsibility for you and you have to live with someone who will be that assurity. And so the next two years I was on house arrest with my mother. Uh, My father was also an assurity and I could only go to work. I couldn't even go to the gym. I could basically just work medical and legal appointments. And that was it. So, and while like a trial is if you plead not guilty, but as, as sorry, after I got arrested and meeting with the lawyer, it was just better to to plead guilty because I I knew that like I had done it and I just wanted it to be not over with but I it caused my family so much pain and I couldn't I couldn't stand to see them in in all this pain because they had to upend their lives for me once you got to trial what was your sentence like how long did they say you were going to jail for um so once I we submitted something called a guilty plea and so yeah you don't actually have to go to trial the prosecutor and your lawyers meet and they discuss like what's you know the best way forward here and the evidence was yes I brought these over the border anything else that had happened the fact that I had brought drugs over the border was the most important factor so we submitted a guilty plea so it was submitted between the crown and my lawyer which said yes so it's it's called a joint submission and when you have a joint submission by the prosecutor and the legal defense 99% of the time the judge will agree with that sentence and that was four years because that was something called the mandatory minimum at the time. Okay. So then (laughs) you go to jail. When does the idea for comeback snacks, like I'm picturing in jail, you (laughs) feel completely deflated. There's no inspiration circling around, but you actually had quite a different experience. Um, And Mm -hmm. at some point decided to channel your energy. And you obviously had this entrepreneurial fire within you that started to kind of start to cultivate. So can Mm -hmm. you kind of take us back to the moment where you started to explore that curiosity and where popcorn came into the mix and when you even had the idea that maybe one day I could turn this into a business? Of course. So it was actually prior to prison where I knew that I could turn this around. I knew that all these feelings of anger and revenge and feeling misunderstood could only be rectified if I worked on myself. And so by the time I went to prison, which was on January 16th, 2018, it was my mom's birthday. I knew that I would find some kind of inspiration inside these walls. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm just going to camp. Everything's going to be fine. If I'm going there and, and this happened, then we can't, you know, I don't think everyone's as, I don't want to say as mean, but like everyone tried to made me, make me feel so afraid, except mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And when I got in there, I met so many people that were just like me, just felt misunderstood, had made a wrong turn, but also knew that they had to take responsibility for what had happened. And I was in a medium security facility in Kitchener, Ontario. So I wasn't, I wasn't in a, you know, maximum like big cell meals through a slot. I I was in a, I would guess you could call it a a house, but it wasn't really a house. It was with other people and you had your own cell, but it was still, you had a kitchen and all these things. So 
I realized during that time that food was something that brought people together. Food was a way to talk about your life, your past, your the present and the future. And there was a, a very comforting family environment in that in that space. And that's when, you know, I realized that there were so many people in there that had so many talents and skills, compassion, love, empathy, and they just needed a second chance or a first chance or any chance to prove that they were worthy of living again. And popcorn was a popular prison snack. Uh, we would pop it, obviously, in, in pots. Um, and we would take different ingredients to make our own recipes. Uh, and I've always loved popcorn I actually struggled with eating for a very long time which was part of the reason for my substance use disorder so I wanted to be able to enjoy a, a health or an, I don't want to say healthy but just comforting snack while inside there and it wasn't right away I think it was it was in March or something and we had a Super Bowl party well not really a party but we were just watching the Super Bowl and that's when it kind of clicked I was like maybe I can start a, a social enterprise where I can employ myself employ others and, and fight the stigma about being incarcerated and help showcase the potential of anyone that's been inside or made a mistake in their life. Mm -hmm. And what I think is so interesting that I'd love to double tap on here is that I think a lot of us, whether it's in challenging moments in our lives or whether it's while we're out on a walk with our dog, we kind of get these ideas. Like you just said, I had this idea to maybe start a social enterprise where I could you know, make popcorn, sell it, but also give back to people in need or people who need support. And I think there's such a difference between people who get those ideas, but then say, oh, well, I don't have time to think about this right now. But obviously when that sparked into your mind during that Super Bowl party, it kind of stuck. So it's like, did you take action right away? Did you just think about it the next morning when you woke up? Did you write a business plan? What <laughs> followed in the hours or days or even weeks after you got that initial idea at the Super Bowl party? <laughs> so when I was in there, I had a bunch of notebooks. I would just write down things. And I kept one right beside my bed because we had to go to sleep at a certain time. And, you know, there's no TV. Well, there is TV in there, but I didn't have one. And there was a, a TV in the common space where you still had to be in your own cell after a certain time. <laughs> and so after curfew, I would just sit and think about things. And I would write down these thoughts in this notebook. And I still have it today. But that's where it started. It started from within, within prison. And because I didn't have the distractions of email or internet or social media, any of those things. I was able to really focus on it. And I didn't have a business plan because I don't have a business degree. And but I do have a I don't want to say like, I don't I didn't need one to, to build this. So when I realized this, and I wrote it down in my notebook, I went straight to work, I read a bunch of books, I asked the librarian to help me find scholarly like academic articles that I could prove that what I was believing was, was true about the potential of people after incarceration and the stigma and how it's actually, I knew that this was what I was going to focus on. This was what I was going to build. I knew that popcorn wasn't a unique product, but I knew that we were unique people in a unique situation. Once I had this idea, I knew that it was something that I was going to focus on and build, and it was going to be my mission for the rest of my time in prison and after. And from that day on, I read a bunch of books. I accessed materials from the library. I wrote letters and and articles, actually. I wrote articles and I shipped them out to my friend, which is now my current business partner, who posted them on the internet about what I wanted to build and why, and why I felt, not felt, but knew this was going to be different. Popcorn was going to be the vector to this mission that I wanted to fulfill and build. Because nothing, I think, is more essential to building a successful 
successful life and business and making impact than having lived experience. And like most people, I never thought I'd be in prison, but there I was. Well, what you share is so important because I think so many people, when they start a business, they're like, well, there are so many other people who have already thought of this idea, or there are so many people who are selling the same product or service. But the truth is so much of it comes down to your why and your Mm -hmm. story. Like you said, it's not like popcorn was this revolutionary, innovative idea. (laughs) However, when you pair popcorn with the story that you have and the why of, you know, like, how you want this business to make change and impact people. This becomes like this unique value proposition that literally nobody else can replicate. And by you starting to share your story through the articles and getting your friend to post the blogs, there is nobody who can duplicate that business. And that's when brands take off is when there's such a clear storyline and mission behind it that it's almost unignorable, which I think is really cool. And the other thing you said was I didn't need to write a business plan. Like I just had ideas and I just kind of took one step after the next. Like it wasn't about sitting back in prison and just like writing like thousand page business plans and having everything (laughs) dialed in. It's more about like testing and experimenting. And like you said, you were kind of creating content around it. So I think that's a really good reminder that like If you want to start a business and you're listening to this, you don't need to go into a dark cave for six months and like, you know, (laughs) pretend that you have this business degree and know how to pull it all together in one concise binded document. Like that's just not reality for most people. Um, And it more is about testing. So I'm curious, like, how did you start to get those early validation moments that made you confident you were on to something like were people telling you this product is amazing were people reading your ideas saying like keep going like what was giving you that early fuel to keep building the business it was actually the community because i knew that i was going to share this part of my life and especially during the current climate with the internet people will take anything that ha- that you've gone through if you try and hide it and make it seem like it makes you weak and use it against you and I wasn't going to let this make me weak for the rest of my life I was like I'm going to talk about this I'm going to tell people I went to prison and I'm going to tell people what I what I learned and how I'm, I'm going to help people because everyone everyone thinks they're so far away from prison it's like the proximity of not just forgiveness but I think just failure, uh, failure and crime, right? Um, but what I notice is that we all commit, we all break the law. It's only, you know, whether you're texting and driving or you're beating or mm-hmm. we all do erratic things that are believed. So what were some of the early milestones that you reached within Comeback Snacks that made you really realize you were on to something? Of course. So when I was in prison, I wrote letters to authors of books that I'd read. One of them was David Chilton, former dragon on Dragon's Den. And I said, this is what I want to build. And I had actually an email set up outside, like my mom set up an email that people that I would put in letters that I wrote and they could email that or they could write me back. And so David Chilton sent me an email. It's like, as soon as you get out, I'm going to help. And I actually even emailed radio DJs saying, I listened to your radio show in prison and it really helped me get through. And then when I got out, I was on a radio show. And I also shared my story with the media because if anyone's going to share my story, it's going to be me and no one else. And once I shared it, tremendous community support came in. And that's because 
I was in control of that narrative. And it was an eight page in the Hamilton Spectator, which then got shared in the Toronto Star. And it was insane how many people were so compassionate, but appreciative that I shared it. Mm-hmm. And so then people asked, how can I support it? Someone bought us our popcorn popper. There was a company out in Cambridge that were like, oh, we want to support, you know, your labels for the next six months. And there was event spaces that were like, we would love to have you at our event um, free of charge. So it was, it was pretty much built like that. And then I got more radio requests, uh, more media interviews. That's kind of what kept it going not kept it going but it was like the the most insane feeling of momentum but belief in yourself belief in what you're doing and no more and that's it (laughs) belief in yourself belief and belief in what you're doing well and it's cool that you actually created that momentum you didn't just wait for PR and media to come to you you're sharing that you actively were reaching out and kind of building this brand before it was a fully polished product sitting on shelves, right? So at what point do you start to see major growth with comeback snacks? Like at this point, you're selling in major retailers, you have a lot of partners. So when did you start to see the brand explode? And when did this really turn into a thriving business that you needed to bring in help and team and, and really start to look at the future of where this company is going? For sure. So initially it was called Cons and Kernels, the name. And that was because when I was in prison, I, well, what, what should I call this? What should we call this? And that was what we came up with. But as I came out of prison, I realized that that was actually alienating us. And people were like, oh, it's just some people in prison making popcorn. But that wasn't true. That, that wasn't the mission that, not the mission, but that wasn't what I was trying to bring into the world. What I was trying to bring into the world is that we all make errors or we all times in our lives, but we all need help getting out of that and that takes other people but it also takes our own personal accountability and so in 2020 we rebranded to comeback snacks because we all have made mistakes mistakes are universal so are comebacks that's what i that's what i and i believe everyone probably believes that too and it, that's when we found actually a co-packer a manufacturer we had our shelf life was extended the the manufacturer that we'd partnered with so that's kind of when it took off from you know working in a commercial kitchen and doing deliveries and putting bags of popcorn and stuffing your car full of it to okay now we have people that will drop it off and our shelf life is great so like bigger retailers will carry it and then we got our first distributor the neil brothers actually not long after that. So amazing. Now I can imagine somebody listening is like, okay, this all seems to be unfolding very easily. Were there any challenges over the past few years? Like aside from starting a brand from prison, what other challenges have you faced as somebody who wanted to take a product like popcorn and get it onto shelves? Like what were some of those things that you really had to ask for help with or work through or problem solve or any of this the major challenges or moments that um, you felt ill-equipped to handle? For sure. Okay. So the, cha- I mean, every day there's a challenge. So when <laughs> yeah. I was in prison, my, my friend, uh, my now business partner, well, not now, but he came on when I was inside prison. His name was Ryan and we known each other for a number of years and he actually has tremendous like business acumen and he came on to just help because he wanted to support me. And now he, you know, he's like an actual business partner. And at the time he 
So I'm really lucky that I have an excellent business partner. His name's Ryan, and he came on in the very beginning as someone that just wanted to help out and build this. Uh, but now, you know, we're we are business partners, and you know, he is incredibly, incredibly smart. Like he, he does all the spreadsheets, all the you know projections, all the accounting, all those things, logistics, oper- things that I could learn. But I knew that building the business and building the brand as myself was was a priority, and I couldn't do it all. So challenge the challenges, I guess, or just any challenges that have presented themselves. I think the one of the biggest challenges was overcoming hatred that a lot of people had towards anyone that broke the law. Yeah. Um, in because you know you have Facebook, you have social media. Your my story was shared on a number of platforms, and so and even my Mayor John Tory like visited a, a pop up that I had and tweeted about me, and I spent all night just wondering what horrible things people were going to say. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a major challenge for me. But then I was like, no, what? screw this. It, it it actually gave me momentum after. But there was still a lot of like, oh, it freaking sucks, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think oh, that's one a- thing, you know, that you've demonstrated so well is just taking control of your narrative and owning your truth and mm-hmm. not letting social stigmas decide on your future, right? Like you may have a story and it's an incredible story, but to be able to show through comeback snacks that anything is possible um, and Mm -hmm. that you can turn your life around, you just have to decide is absolutely inspirational. And I really commend you for that. And for being somebody who showcases that you don't have to take a narrative and live with it for the rest of your life. Like you can create something beautiful out of this. So where can people find Comeback Snacks? If they want to get their hands on some, just give us the whole breakdown of where we can connect with you, where we can shop Comeback and (laughs) anything else that you want to share. For sure. So we are in a number of locations across Canada, um, but unfortunately I don't have control over the inventory that those stores have because (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard to manage. So the easiest way actually is just to order directly through our website, www.comebacksnacks.com. And we ship uh, throughout Canada and the US. That would be awesome. And on social media, we are at Comeback Snacks. And my personal one is at ems.obrien. And TikTok at Comeback Snacks, but I haven't posted in a while because I'm still trying to navigate that whole platform. TikTok is so overwhelming and I totally feel the same. I've disappeared for the past few months because I'm like, I can barely manage Instagram, but (laughs) yeah. Uh, Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your story and for just being so open and honest about your journey. So we wish you all of the best and we can't wait to get our hands on some popcorn. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show on either iTunes or Spotify. It just takes a second. And if you don't want to rate the show, you could also just take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your social media platform of choice, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode.